off top. I think I work with sociopaths. Play the music. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show. All right, welcome to the Dominique Foxworth Show presented by Allstate. Um, yeah, I mean, we had a whole show rundown plan. We can get to it, but we had an argument headed into the show in the green room or the hangout room, wherever we watch the games. And I can't believe that you guys go ahead, make defend yourself. Okay. Let's just, we're going to, we have a lot of football to come. We're going to yeah, talk to Bill uh, Barnwell. We're going to talk about, we're going to continue our trend of judging our overreactions from the previous weeks. And we will be judging this one where Dominique Foxworth called me a sociopath because that is a massive not overreaction. Just you. It's a gang of yeah, y'all. Yeah. So I, I walk into the green room and feathers have been ruffled already. And Dominique goes, Do you feel bad for Russell Wilson? And I looked to my left, I looked to my right. I was like, No. And then he looked at me, he goes, You're a f- maniac. <laughs> you are. You're a maniac. I, explain to me you why all I should. Are oh, just because the, the, no, Dolph- okay. the Dolphins beat the so, brakes off the Broncos. I have me, to feel bad for Russell Wilson. You don't Wilson. have to. You don't have to. You don't. It's okay. No. But let me frame this the way I'm not that piling it, on him. I just don't feel bad for him. Let me frame this the way that it was framed. Uh, Serafina said, oh, I feel bad for Russell. And then. Which I was not there for. Yeah, you were there for. I wasn't here for any of this. And your partner, Brian, like, I feel bad for him. He got so much money. It's like, oh, here we go. Now people who have some money can't have anything go wrong. And then started talking about orphans and who cares the point is this is a man who yes has a lot of money has had a lot of success but is now having public failure this after happens public to everyone failure, and i feel bad for them what is wrong with having sympathy for someone to who has something go wrong Nothing. for them i'm just not i'm just not going to bed at night laying my head on the pillow looking up at the ceiling being like i feel bad for russell wilson of because his not. defense gave up 70 points of course not i'm not going to lose any sleep tonight either but oh, when no. you are looking up at the screen at someone who is losing by 50 points after being traded to a team and we all made a big hoopla about it, having a terrible season, you cannot imagine or you have to understand that there is no amount of money that can make that moment feel better. Never said it was about the money. Okay, well, you are on the team. You're on money team. What's it about for you? Uh, He made a lot of hilariously weird TikToks and they're fun to make fun of. And then I wasn't allowed to make fun of his TikToks anymore. So now I don't feel bad for him either. he's He's just sort of there. He's a blah 20th best quarterback, 24th best quarterback in the NFL. I don't spend my time thinking about the 24th best quarterback in the NFL. Yes, you do. You do. You do because he's Russell Wilson. And if it was mm. the 24th best quarterback in the NFL, it would be different. He is a actual real-life celebrity that he's, transcends he's football. He's going to the Hall of Fame. He's yes, married to Sierra. I don't feel bad None for None of that changes anything in this moment. None of it changes. Okay. And I'm not asking you to start a GoFundMe I for him. I feel bad for you. I'm not asking you to start a GoFundMe for him. I'm not saying that you have to like feel terrible for him and lose sleep and cry i'm just saying that when we are sitting watching a game you look up at the screen you and your compatriots you can't i don't know how you can look at someone who is very publicly struggling and knows that no amount of money can take that away and not be like damn sucks for him that's all i want from you damn sucks for him is at the root of this is the fact that lots of fans and people like you just have hate in your blood just hater blood because you weren't good enough athletes and so eventually somewhere down the line you just want some way to look at a at a athlete who's better than you and more successful than you and say oh that's what you get you, you, loser you know you know this that russ gave us 405 touchdowns in high school Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> that was it was actually a stark moment. Yeah, we are not built. We are not. He is built different than me. I was not good enough. So you've been waiting all this time to pile no, on. No, the, the other way. I was like, 
you know the thing when you don't know this because you weren't like a total fucking loser like me <laughs> um but like when you play someone who's great at something the better they are the better the story is uh, so yeah. i rooted for russell for years but then i was shamed out of making fun of his tiktoks and so i just stopped thinking about it at all okay well no one shamed you out of making fun of his tiktoks i'm just saying that i got shamed okay whatever you shamed me so are there is there anybody with money or with any success that you can have, let's go with football players. Anybody in the league right now after this weekend? I feel any- bad for Justin Fields. There we go. Thank you. Good job. That's growth for you. Did you feel bad for Nathan Peterman when he was getting mocked by everyone? Yes. Hell no, you didn't. Why not? It sucks. It sucks. I felt bad for him. That doesn't mean I can't also chuckle at the jokes. They're funny jokes. But yeah, it sucks imagine that you are on a national stage and you are having the worst day of your life there is no amount of money at your home or relationship that is going to make that not suck those are in separate silos the money silo yeah you look at your bank account you feel good but the personal pride silo that is not going to change you go out to the grocery store and you look around and you, you keep, know that you everyone's harping on the money thing i'm not talking about his contract it's the macro thing of it like as a fan i look at him and russell wilson is not a failure he is just Agreed. a quarterback getting old, and it happens to all of them, and I don't feel bad for him. I do. And so is there no—anyone who's had any success in life, if something goes wrong, no. you're, say, you're saying he's not a failure. Because Your point the, is that, the problem is that like, the hay is in the barn for this, where it isn't in other things. Like When there's implications of things going wrong in other, in other aspects of like, now we're getting totally off track. Like It can, it can bankrupt everything. Like The hay is in the barn. He's going to the Hall of Fame. Right. He's won a Super so Bowl. That's my he's point. A, like, that's my point. None of that matters. It does. In the moment, I feel bad for him, not for his life. Why do you feel bad for him? I feel bad when in the moment you are having to stand there and there's a camera on you while you're getting blown out by a team a second year where you seem like a failure, where you're getting paid more than your production I don't think people are blaming him for it. It what? I don't think people are blaming Russell Wilson for why the Broncos are bad this year. This one game, yeah, he's been playing this year. He's been playing better this year. They stink. He does not feel good about that. That's all. I just and I'm not asking you to lose sleep or cry. Just look up and be like, "Damn, that sucks. I feel bad for him." Move on. That's it. For you to be like, uh, I don't care. He's going to go to the Hall of Fame. None of that changes what's happening in the moment. None of that changes how bad it feels in that moment for it him. Softens it. Man. The money, the Sierra, the Hall of Fame. It's, it's it probably, softens it. It's he probably, goes home and he's probably like. Like, uh, you think that LeBron really meant it after he lost the finals and said, well, I get to go home and still be LeBron. No, it's a defense mechanism because it actually hurts like. <laughs> that's all. That's all. It softens it. Yeah, it would be really sucked if he had to go home to a one bedroom apartment and was on food stamps. That would make it a lot worse. But it doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt right now. Actually, I won't say that joke. You can cut it, but I was going to say. Yeah, definitely cut that joke. All right, we're done. We spent way too much time yes, talking about this. So let's get to our overreactions and recap them. We're going to circle back to that overreaction in future weeks. But okay. I still love you. I love you too. No, uh, yeah, I do. No, I made too much money. I had too much success. Oh, my God. I got a show named after me. You can never have love or affection for me anyway. I, now I'm going to be like lying in bed, staring at the ceiling, feeling bad for what I did to our relationship. Um, but yes. let's go to judging of reactions. Okay. Same game as last week. Every week react to the, we react to the slate, and we're sort of keeping track of the things we got right and got wrong. This is one from the last two weeks. The Dolphins' offense is unstoppable. Oh, feeling good about that one. <laughs> nailed feeling it. good about that one. 
I think the, I mean, we didn't go out on a ledge on that, but we were before they completely did what they did this week. Um, the thing that jumps out to me, we can all talk about Tyreek Hill and, and uh, the ability to somehow scheme him open and to his accuracy. I think these are continuing conversation points. We talk about how effective this offense is. The one thing that I was impressed with that's a little unique is the scheming of the running game. Yeah. To create the blocking matchups on the edge that they created to free up the Mostert and A-Chain, like to free them up to exhibit their speed, I thought was special and impressive. And as wide open as this offense is, it's very connected to, like the success of the running game, of course, is connected to uh, the threat of the passing game. These boxes feel a little light in the the secondary feels a little scared. So when the, the Dolphins are going to be the story this week, mm-hmm. and you know they scored sixty nine points, the stats are or seventy points. Yeah. The stats are outrageous: seven hundred twenty six yards, ten touchdowns, three hundred sixty seven or three hundred seventy six passing yards, three hundred fifty rushing yards. Um, Tua was perfect in the first half. Tua is now the betting favorite for MVP, or he was tied for the betting favorite going into this week. I feel confident yeah. he will be the clear favorite coming out of this week. But I don't know if that's necessarily the story of the team. He's clearly excellent at his role, and Tyreek is probably the best offensive player in the NFL, not named Mahomes. And McDaniel seems like the heir to Sean McVay, like the offensive. It was there was a mantle taken, him taking Sean uh, uh, Sean Payton's mantle as the offensive genius. Who, in your mind, not that you have to choose one, right. but like is is most responsible for the way that this offense is. Yeah, this is an impossible question to ask. Um I think I would opt out of the Tua versus McDaniels question and go with Tyreek Hill. Yeah. I think that uh, Tua and McDaniels are like a mind meld. Yeah, it feels like and and uh, Tua's accuracy and anticipation I think gets I was going to say it gets underappreciated. It feels like it's getting celebrated a lot more now. But these throws are not easy. All the throws are not easy. The consistency to put in the right spot is not easy. You talk about Tyreek Hill making big plays. It's really easy to make a big play when you catch it in stride. Uh, And it seems like he always does catch it in stride and change direction the scores. But I will say that I think the most difficult thing to find of any of these three is a player like Tyreek Hill. I think the offensive mastermind that is Mike McDaniel, everybody gets caught up to. That's not something that's replicable. You can't every week outcoach your opponent. It's not going to happen. Eventually that'll be caught. Um, The Tua stuff, yeah, I think that's also hard to find, but he hasn't had the success until Mike McDaniel's here. I think the evidence that Tyreek Hill has had at a couple different places and what he does to defenses, even without Jalen Waddle out there, that to me feels like... If I had to pick one thing that feels like the linchpin in all of this, it has to be Tyreek Hill. It's this team is so crazy. It's like it's a greatest show on turf level. How far ahead of they are of the competition because like they didn't have Jalen Waddle this week and they're like, all right, we'll just play a chain and most here at the same time and just have two guys who run you know four two eights four threes out there with Tyreek Hill and just annihilate people. And the way that I look at their offenses, it's not. The schemes are smart. They get advantages, but it's not like they just got people running wide open. It's the point is very most simplified is they are going to get their best athletes in an advantageous position. And chances are they do that 10 times. One or two of those times it's going to break today. It broke every time. And when it breaks every time, it's fun. You are testing. You're running out of touchdown dances to do. You're jumping in the stands. You're doing a conga line. It I is, love the conga oh, line. It is so, I mean, I guess technically it wasn't a conga line. I don't yeah, know what it was. It was pretty fun. I don't know what they're calling conga it. Conga derivative. When you see a game like that, oh, 
that that is fun. When you're looking around, you're like, we can do nothing wrong. The backups come in. They score in touchdowns. Uh, you're getting turnovers where you don't even necessarily deserve them. It's like a, when the luck and the talent and the timing all mesh, it's a fun time for everybody who's not on the other side. The toughest part about this is, you know, Acho celebration. Um, <laughs> get, get. Well, I mean, too, uh, uh, Herbert played well, too. Yeah. But, well, I mean, he's not wrong, is it? Really starting to feel bad for all of us because of it. Um, <laughs> we'll get over it. Uh, get at. Do you view them as the best team in the AFC? Uh, yeah. Best team in the league. Uh, yeah. I don't. I mean, them in the 49ers. Uh, be that. What do we? Yeah. What are we gonna do with the Cowboys now? We can't conclude we'll get, we'll them get to in that we'll conversation. So I think the Cowboys were my favorite last week for best in the league. What when you beat an NFL team by 50 points uh, with talent and a good coach, you have to give them some respect. Do you remember the point in the uh, 30 for 30 about the U when they when Jimmy Johnson was like, I, I put in the backups and they yeah. kept scoring. <laughs> that happened in the NFL game today. It's not supposed to happen. And uh, it's funny to go from that. What are we going to do next? We're going to do the Cowboys next. Well, first, I want to ask you one thing about Sean Payton. OK, because like, the other the other side of this coin is Sean Payton and Russell Wilson, but more, really the Broncos. And the Sean Payton part is is interesting to me because things are look to be falling apart there. He signed for what ten years, and he was sort of the hottest name in coaching to get any job he wanted. Right. Who's regretting their partnership more, the Broncos or Sean Payton? <sighs> Has to be Sean Payton, right? I mean, I think maybe no one was willing to pay him nearly as much as the Broncos were, but he they kept Brandon Staley kept his job. Yeah, I, but he could have had his choice, it feels like. He was the guy that everybody wanted. And at least up until now, the money's not going to go anywhere, which we know that's all that matters. But um, he's, lost that, here. he's lost that cachet, even, even with some improvement from Russ. So yeah. Russ is playing better, and he can take credit for that. But uh, I guess was Evero, the coordinator from, defensive coordinator from last year, guess he was holding this thing together because this defense was the reason to believe in them. They are terrible. It's so wild that this offense took, like, legitimately two steps forward this year, and then the defense took 10 steps back. Yeah, and the steps forward don't matter yeah. <laughs> when you, you can't stop 70. anybody. 70, there is not enough steps to catch up to 70 points uh, in an NFL game. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com DF today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash DF. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. 
every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur. Barnstown, Kentucky. 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Uh, the next one, this is a two-parter. The first one was the take that the Cowboys are the best team in the NFL that we had as an overreaction uh, a take from last week. And the second part is the Cardinals are immoral scum for tanking. Yeah. Um, I got to stop calling people out for tanking because I've been wrong twice. Uh, and I think the it's hard to come off of that last game to go to this game because the way that I would explain a game like this is like everybody's in NFL, everybody's professionals. The margin of victory is always incredibly slim, even from the worst team to the best team because everyone is really, really good, even the bad players. But – Somebody just got beat by 50, so yeah. <laughs> apparently that's not the case. And the good teams are supposed to win games like this, games that they're supposed to win, uh, even on the road. And so, uh, yeah, it's hard to to celebrate the Cowboys as the best team in football or one of the best teams in football when they have all these errors. Uh, McCarthy's going to get the criticism that he's been avoiding up until this point. And it's hard for me to, to continue to bemoan the tanking of the Cardinals when they've been competitive in every, every game, game and they beat the team that I said was the best team in football. Yeah. So I will wiggle out of this by saying the organization is tanking, but the pride of the players and coaches. Can I tell you something I think we learned? What's that? The Eagles had really good coordinators last year. No, I'm, ser I'm serious because like Shane Steichen is cooking up some serious yeah. stuff in Indianapolis and Gannon I know they blew a 28 point lead to the Giants I get it it's not like they have a like a dominant defense but the defense in spurts has played well in each of the three weeks and he was considered sort of a weak link as a coordinator you know what else I learned that it's really good to like before your first game as a head coach have some embarrassing video out there. Sirianni style. Yeah, Sirianni, we was like, oh, there's no way this is going to work out in Philadelphia because he looks nervous at his press conference. Super Bowl, or at least got to it. Yeah. Same thing with Gannon had that video in the preseason where he was like, did you drive in on the bus or something? Did you have a fire in your belly? And they put it out there. We all laughed at it. And apparently it's working out pretty good. And we got a... Uh, uh, we got the kneecap biter. That was embarrassing <laughs> also, and they turned out to be pretty good. One, one counterpoint to this argument, Adam Gase didn't really overcome the, the introductory press conference when he was looking around for the taco. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. All right, so maybe you don't want a coach to ruin the introductory press conference. Uh, I assume D'Amico Ryans was cool as hell in his press conference. Definitely. Yeah. Impressive. That yeah. team also frisky. Locked in. Frisky. Um, last one. This was sort of... Me and Gojo, we both said we didn't actually think Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey were dating. Yeah. I don't know that you need to take an L on that one. You don't think so? This all feels contrived to me. Like, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but it feels contrived. Not that Taylor Swift needs any more attention, but she is dominating a football Sunday. That's a win for her. Travis <laughs> That's Kelsey. That's impossible. <laughs> yeah, like. It'd be the story of an NFL Sunday. She's a big story NFL yeah. Sunday. Travis Kelsey obviously benefits from this in many ways. The NFL benefits from this in many ways. It feels kind of fraudulent to me. It's Now that you're putting it together, she turned down performing at the Super Bowl and then just said, I'll take any Sunday I want. <laughs> exactly. She just dunked on it. It was like, I'll just take one of your mustachioed players. And yeah, Travis. I guess the mustache, you need to shave. You need to, the next mustache week, is the move. Next week, I'll have, I'll have a mustache for this show. You promise? Yeah. There go all of the snack puns, because there's no way that you're going to be as cute with 
a mustache no, and no just beard. Like really weird. Oh, that little blonde mustache. Yeah, well, I, I don't know. I shouldn't hate on him. Maybe it's young love. Maybe they'll figure it out. Uh, nothing about Travis Kelsey's general demeanor suggests that Taylor Swift would be interested, and <laughs> nothing about Travis Kelsey's history suggests that he'd be inter- interested in um, Taylor Swift. But opposites attract, I guess. Docking to me, too. All right. Well, you are the only Swifty here, so uh, you would know better than me. Yeah. Should we talk to Bill Barnwell? Not yet. Not I just yet? thought of another overreaction that we okay. needed to address. Um, Eric Bieniemy, really great. Yeah. So t- I, We're going to blame Sam Howell? Yeah. It's, yeah. I, I, from the commander's delegation, growing pants for Sam Howell. All right, cool. Let's blame Sam Howell and let's talk to Bill Barnwell. And now, the great Bill Barnwell joins us. Charlie, I got Bill's here. I'm so excited to have Bill here to be um, the deciding vote in our debate. Because we're, we're we don't get, need, there is no deciding vote. We're going to get vote. to a lot of foot. There's the no Sunday deciding football vote. Stuff. Yes, it is. It's already decided. No, 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 it's no, 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 okay. no. You're, you're being a coward right now. I'm not being a coward. You're afraid that he's going to take my side. I don't care is the point I'm making. Yes, I, I know what side is the right okay, side, the side okay. that I will remain on. I don't care what Bill says. Okay. I hope he says the right answer, though. You're just, That's very promising. You're just pandering. Uh, pandering to whom? You're just trying to be so overly sympathetic. Just, and just ask the question. Uh, after today, because of the loss today, do you feel bad for Russell Wilson? <laughs> Stumped him. <laughs> it's the hardest question yeah. you'll be asked all day. What are you looking at? Is that Jesus? <laughs> Who's over there? I, I have a shrine to Russell Wilson on my wall, so I'm trying <laughs> to figure out which, which of my posters I should consult. No... Because it's not really his fault. Thank they you. lost that game. They gave up 70 points. He's not a nose tackle. He's not a linebacker. He's not a quarterback. Like, he didn't play great, but it wasn't like in that locker room, they sat there and they were like, screw us. He cost us that game. It's fine. I, I respect and appreciate your answer. Moving on. Dominique is going to, he's not sleeping tonight. He's staring at the ceiling. No. Okay. Just thinking about Russ and I, how I feel I mean, so bad. In for all that honesty, guy you had a better response than this maniac over here. I'm not going to put him on blast. He, well, he's already put himself. Yeah. He's already been recorded saying ridiculous things. So please, okay, let's talk about. Um, let's go to some more football topics. First one, we're on some fraud watch with teams that we thought were going to be really good this year and might turn out to be good in the future. But to you guys, who's the more fraudulent contender, the Ravens or the Jaguars? Definitely the Jaguars to me. If I mean, given if we're going off of what we've seen so far this season, I think there are lots of injury excuses you can have for the Ravens, and you can point to at least a, a reasonably good win in Cincinnati last week and a tough loss to a Colts team that we didn't think was that good. So there's certainly reason to be critical. But what just happened to the Jaguars against the Houston Texans, a team that the Ravens beat, where they got so bad that they let a square body tight end, or not tight end, fullback, excuse me. I didn't even know we still let them in the league. A fullback run back, a kickoff for a touchdown, like on top of the fact that they lost by 20 points to a team that nobody thinks is good and a rookie quarterback, like – if anybody we can call a fraud, I'm not sure that either of these teams actually are, but it's certainly got to be the Jaguars right now. Dominique, you're mad that the square block from Tetris scored a touchdown. <laughs> I hate it. In this game. I hate you're it. strictly you're strictly those Lions. You're not yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, more I, NFL touchdowns than Dominique Foxworth. Fair. Him, Terrell Suggs blocking the back cost me my one touchdown. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't tell Sizzle I said that. 
No, I think I he, he's going to. in the Ring of Fame, Ring of Honor. I got an invitation. I'm not going because I'm here with you guys, <laughs> oh, and because I hold a grudge. My one touchdown. Jeez, uh, sizzle. Anyway, it's go ahead. T sizzle to you. T sizzle to you. Please respect the man. Uh, Dominique is right, but I don't know that it matters because when you look at these two teams, the Ravens have to be better than the Jaguars. They have a higher level of competition to beat. The Jaguars just have to win nine games. That probably gets them first place in the division. The, the Ravens have to win 11 games probably to win the AFC North. So I agree the Jaguars look worse this year, but they don't have to be as good as Ravens. They just have to be better than the worst team in their division. And today, to be frank, they look worse than the team we expect to be the worst team in their division. But there's some weird, like, like there's some weird AFC South divisional stuff that happens. Like wherever the worst team in the AFC South is, they invariably beat the team that eventually wins the division. A couple of years ago, uh, when the Colts had Phillip Rivers, they lost in week one to the Jags, and then the the Jags didn't win a single game the rest of the year. Like, weird stuff happens when you get the top of the AFC South against the bottom of the AFC South. So I wasn't surprised by what happened today. On a pretty wild Sunday, I don't think – I think the craziest thing that we have, we've seen that is not getting much love is – Justin Tucker won a, or lost a kicker battle. Yeah. Like, I can't imagine he had a 61-yarder lined up, and we all thought it was going in before they even lined up because, of course, it's Justin Tucker. And then it's headed right down the pipe, and it just falls short. And to have someone on the field kick four 50-plus-yard field goals on your field when you are the kicking god, like, that's something. That, that's as crazy as anything we saw this weekend. Did you, do you ever think when you see kickers line up and they're on the logo that it's going to make them miss? I think I heard that on a broadcast, like, years ago, and it's convinced me that that was right. the difference in that kick. Cause it's like, like a, a slippery thing or yeah, like a jinx? Yeah, because of, of the paint on the, on the grass. Yeah, well, it, it worked today. I've never thought of that before in my life. <laughs> Tucker, Tucker was 31-33 in the final two minutes of the game or overtime on kicks before missing today it, it really it hit me hard i'm not gonna lie like it was a i'm getting old maybe really old moment because i feel like justin tucker should not be missing kicks at this point of his career like i it's one cake he's probably gonna be fine but that's like one of the few things you can take for granted in the national football league yeah, and, and i mean he missed it in really a way that be. you rarely see kicks missed either like it's not to one side or the other yeah. it came up short it was a little weird i don't know it's a, a bit of a rainstorm out there i think we can excuse justin tucker but we can't really excuse the ravens because this is a game that they should have won against a backup quarterback at home that they gave up that's one that's going to probably come back to haunt them late in the season whether it's for winning the division or getting a first round bye that's a game that you can't give up yeah, I really started to feel bad for the Ravens. Ah, here we uh, go. And, and and they're down, they were down seven starters in this game. Yeah. Like maybe the one positive you could take away is I don't think they lost anybody else who <laughs> seems like they're going to be down for a significant injury. But I mean, this does not bode well, right? Like the fact that they're already so banged up in September seems troubling for what's going to happen later in the year. Isn't that the Ravens, though? Like, I, I, the Ravens are always, like, like, banged up. I feel like this is crazy even for the Ravens. Do you want me to list their current injuries? Because yeah. it's please J.K. Dobbins, Justice Hill, Gus Edwards, Keaton Mitchell, Odell Beckham Jr., Rashad Bateman, uh, Tylen Wallace, Tyler Lindenbaum, Andrew Voorhees, Ronnie Stanley, and then on the defense, it's Marlon Humphreys, Demarion Williams, Trayvon Mullen, Marcus Williams, Sedarius oh. Washington, 
and then on and on and on. But those are the notable no, ones. No love for Nick Moore, the long snapper? <laughs> I skipped uh, the long that, snapper. That might be part of the timing was off for the kick. It was a little high. Get it down. I'm really starting to feel bad for Justin Tucker. He didn't have his long snapper out I'm there. Not, I'm not going to play this well, game with you anymore. So I, I want to ask about the Jaguars a tiny bit. So we're sending them to London for a couple of weeks, as we do every year. <laughs> but there's, there's, a, no, there's a Trevor Lawrence aspect to this, because this is year three. And after the four-touchdown comeback in the playoffs last year, I think a lot of people had him as an MVP candidate. If not that, like a huge leap year. And it is sort of disappointing that this team we thought was going to roll the division. He hasn't looked awesome. I mean, and Calvin Ridley, we saw early on, uh, I guess in week one. Yeah, it looked awesome. We got excited about it. So, yeah, it's been slightly disappointing. But that's the thing about football is it's such a small sample size. The ups and downs matter a lot. Basketball, we'd have two days to wait. Then he'd have a good game tomorrow. And we'd be like, oh, it's all okay. But now we got a whole week to talk about how he's not living up to it and not that many games left. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, to be completely honest with you, we haven't had time to watch all the coaches' copies of it. The numbers oh, look pretty bad. Oh, you have. Excuse me. Then yeah. I'll be quiet. All right, break it down. I, I, I watched all the All-22. No, I didn't, but I have paid attention to what fans are saying. And <laughs> there's like a cycle that comes into play when you have a disappointing quarterback. And they're in like phase two right now. And phase two is, we blame the offensive coordinator. He's terrible. We got to get rid of him. That's where Jags fans are at right now. They're not blaming Trevor. They're not blaming the receivers because they added Calvin Ridley, who you think was going to be a major upgrade, kind of push everyone into a more realistic role. But now that Trevor Lawrence is struggling, we're at, it's Press Taylor's fault. And if he struggles, it's going to be Doug Peterson's fault soon. Like we're, we're slowly working our way down that cycle to Trevor Lawrence is like step 17 in that cycle, but we're at step two or three right now. That's an interesting theory because I feel like the, the path is different depending on the player too. And Trevor no Lawrence has enough cachet that he he's protected. I don't know how it's working out in Chicago right now. I think they're blaming no. the whole building, top to bottom, everybody's fault. Yeah, and to be fair, Lawrence has been better than Fields. No, I know. I, I, I'm not talking about those two versus each other. I'm talking about this process, this uh, process oh, the, of quarterback grieving that you go through and blaming the blame ladder. Like, I, I was trying to think about it. It's something that – that there's it has some legs. We need to figure this out and to find out where you are in this process. Where now I just want to talk about all the teams and where they are in this process. See, it's, it, to be one of like to be like a fan's guy, you have to have the flashes, and then you can blame everyone oh, else. Oh, okay, yep. okay, yeah. I I mean, do you think any differently about Trevor Lawrence than you did from the start of the season? No, no. But you're getting you're getting a little worried though, aren't yeah, you? I mean, where's the O line in this? Do we, we get, they they also get blamed before you get Harrison to, struggles to the to you get sure. the coordinator and I the way that they played in this game at least the pass pass rush win rate for them or pass block win rate is atrocious. I think it was at 18. Uh, last time I checked before any <laughs> corrections, that's not good. 18% of the time they protect the quarterback. That's pretty terrible. Yeah. You can't win with that. So before we get to the coordinator, uh, we got to blame the O-line. Uh, suspension, Cam Robinson coming back after week four. So that's what we can, we can push it off until then. That's true. You got that suspension. If the NFL just hadn't suspended our dude, we'd be fine. The NFL's <laughs> biased against us. That's step one. Being a fan Institutional is, bias yeah, against our quarterback. Miserable. They're sending us to London for two weeks. It's not fair. They aren't sending them. You they want to go to London. You know what, though? Number one, they want to go to London. London's great. Number two, after Trevor Lawrence came back from London last year, he got hot. Mm. So maybe there's something in London that gets Trevor Lawrence going. 
maybe he comes back from London and he starts getting was a turtle launch of last year. I mean, it's it's tea, uh, it's fish and chips. Like I can think of all the London cliches I can think of that. Well, people we're talking to our we're talking to our our our, our Brit on the panel here in Dominique Foxworth. You're so more British than me. Of course, you know all about these British these British things. Um, you got the passport. You're British. <laughs> no, technically I'm not. I was. We've been through this a number of times. I was born on a military base. I am American. I just born in uh, the UK, but I'm American. I ain't been back. You go there all the time. Are you? Are you? Were you pro Brexit or anti Brexit? What was your? What was your stance on? <laughs> I'm definitely anti Brexit. Uh, how <laughs> dare you? I'm, I'm offended that you even asked me the insult. He was uh, part of the anti Brexit, you know, players union. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Um, let's move on. <laughs> let's move on, guys. You know what time it is? And we need our hands up. Oh, hand throw them up. That's team. <laughs> All right, guys. And now it's time for our good hands moments presented by Allstate. You're, CJ still, you're still bad at this. Uncover your face. You got to put okay. it in a way that we can still see your face. Okay. And now. There we go. It's time. For our good hands moments presented by Allstate. C.J. Stroud is the first player in NFL history to have at least 900 passing yards, four passing touchdowns, and zero interceptions in his first three starts. How do you explain how good C.J. Stroud has been for the Texans so far for a team that we did not think was going to be good? I can't explain it. I don't know. Let's stop pretending like we know, uh, like we know what quarterback is going to be good. I have lots of beliefs that this seems to shake my beliefs. So, like, I don't know. C.J. Stroud was not like uh, when we were having conversations about who should be the top pick. It didn't seem like anyone gave C.J. Stroud a reasonable look. And now he seems clearly to be the best person or the best player uh, or the best quarterback in last year's draft. And normally the way that I explain that away is by pointing to what they are surrounded by. I can't really do that this time. So maybe to, he's just We have just to take great. this off the board. Yeah. This is on the board as a Dominique Foxworth Truism. football maxim that it's about the situation more than the quarterback. Maybe the it's situation gone, is better than I thought. It's not, though. What are you talking about? <laughs> they're down. Uh, maybe. They're down four, three, four starters on their offensive line. Maybe. Right now, Larry Tunsil. Maybe the backups not- are better. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe the backups are better. Maybe uh, they got a good coaching stuff there. Not out of the question. To be fair, he's the only one of those three rookie quarterbacks who played this week because the other two guys are hurt. Yeah. So maybe that's why he was able to show off because he was the only one actually playing. But 
what what I've noticed in watching him play, especially this week when I watched a little bit of the, what I saw, was just the ball is coming out on time. Like he looks confident in the pocket. The ball is coming out at the back of his drop. He knows where he's going with the football. Like, especially preseason week one, he really was slow. It felt like he was really struggling with the speed of the game. Felt like he was, you know, just he's playing the Patriots. He gave it through a really bad pick six. Like he wasn't really sure what he was seeing. He looked so much more confident now, five weeks later. And that's without four-fifths of his offensive line. So I think you have to give him a ton of credit, the coaching staff a ton of credit. It feels like he at least knows where he's going with the football. And that, for a young quarterback, is maybe half the battle. Yeah, I mean, it's nice to see him playing well. And I think I change my opinion every time or every couple of years when we're looking at quarterback draft prospects about what I think is the most important thing. And maybe it's because the game changes and the things that are more important matters, or maybe it's because none of us know what the hell we're talking about. But I always assume the most important thing for a quarterback is accuracy. Because I feel like you can have a poor read on coverage. As long as you can put the ball where you want to put it, then you're fine or you'll be okay. You'll be better off and you can learn these other things, but it's starting to feel like with the like modern game, it seems like that decisiveness, Mm -hmm. whether it's uh, being coached well to get a good pre-snap read or also just being able to process really quickly. It feels like that's the most important thing right now that I will be looking for is a quarterback that I know is going to hit that last step in their drop and be decisive with the throw that they made or a coach that I know can simplify the offense to the point that I don't have a quarterback out there processing because it seems like the real killer is guys who hold on to the ball too long. Yeah. What? Dominique wants guys to get the ball out, and that is it. They don't think about it. There's no brain power committed to. Uh, I, can't, I can't deal with you guys what's, and your uh, What's the point of progressions? There's no, I'm not saying there's no point of progressions. I'm not saying it's the only thing. I'm saying that when I'm looking at quarterbacks, we got all excited, sure. and then we got we caught the Josh Allen disease, and everyone was looking for guys with tools, and now I'm moving in a different direction. Give Whoa. me a try, Bryce Young just went first over C.J. Stroud and Anthony Richardson. We do not have Josh Allen's disease in this draft. He is smaller than Justin Tucker. Uh, Trey Lance, uh, Justin Fields, uh, who else? Richardson, Um, but... Yeah, Richardson is the toolsiest guy around. Anyway, he looked pretty nice for a quarter for a game and a quarter before he got hurt. So, all right, I started off by saying we don't know what we're doing. I think that was what it, where we should end it. We don't know. General managers don't know. Coaches don't know. Nobody knows how to draft quarterbacks. Okay. Okay. So, I think we all picked the Jaguars to win the AFC South. How nervous are you about that prediction right now? Um, I think I might have picked the Colts. Okay, well, how nervous are you about picking the Colts? Because I maybe you were, uh, maybe you just were picking randomly. Yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty nervous either way, whether I pick the Jaguars or the Colts. But um, I think so. Yeah, you mentioned it at the top of this. The Jaguars are in the AFC South. Uh, they're going to have time to figure things out. <laughs> so, are the, so are the Texans and the Colts. Yeah, but I mean, you actually think what happened with the Texans today that the Texans are. No, no, no. Yeah, like, I don't know. To be completely honest with you, I don't know. Who knows how good uh, C.J. Stroud actually is. If this is his baseline, what he's shown us so far, then and he continues to improve. By the end of the year, he may be the best quarterback in that division. Anthony Richardson gets healthy. He may be the best quarterback in that division. It's wide open. The best team to go with is the team that has given us something yeah. to grab onto, and that team uh, is the Colts. Or excuse me, is the Jaguars from last season. Also, Tank Dell, kind of nice. You could like Collins, a too. Real short guy. Kind of nice. Great. <laughs> Um, I, I still think the Jaguars well, are going to win the division. What about you, Bill? 
well, I'll go Jags, but I'm less confident. Mm-hmm. I feel like before I would have been like, okay, the Jags are not just going to win the division, but also be like in that tier with the Bengals and the and the the Bills and the Chiefs. So they're going to take a step forward. Now it kind of feels like they might win it, but only because look at everything else going on. You still love Doug Peterson? You still the man? Yeah, I still love Doug. You you think about how bad the average coach is. And Doug Peterson is an average like. He's like like the twelfth best coach in football. He's still good. His ass. You get mad at me, I Dominique. It's question. like you. I get. It's like get being the good boyfriend after a terrible boyfriend. Yes. Like going out, coming in after Urban Meyer. They're <laughs> gonna love Doug Peterson. Oh, yes. Wouldn't know. Um. All right. Last topic for us. Bigger story to you guys: Kirk Cousins blowing another game, or Brandon Staley trying to blow another game? Come on, come on! I can't believe you brought me on here for this. Brandon Staley blowing another game or almost because they went for it on fourth and one to win the game. That's blowing it. Come on. He tempted to. <laughs> I mean, the results are the results. They won. So I guess we give him credit. I'm with you. So I that it was a good choice. Yeah. No, I, I don't knock the fourth down choice. It would whether you believe it was a good decision or not. It would have hung over his head and it would have got him closer to being fired. So that's, I mean, he, that choice is not the reason why they won. The reason why they won is they got lucky and your regression team started to regress and they got some unlucky plays like a tip ball interception in the game. Like that was the deciding factor, which I guess we can applaud your analytical studies prediction or we can look at the fact that uh, your analytics also told us the teams that would improve this year were the Bears and the Broncos. Wow, I didn't realize we were coming coming directly at me with these oh, uh, yeah, I also coming for the your Browns. neck Browns, Browns who look kind of nice so far this year <laughs> two and one they uh, were incredible the Broncos no. though have not Bron- been Broncos we were in trouble we're we're it, 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 it's the I'm in trouble meme uh for me with the Broncos what did Garrett Bowles what was the quote from Garrett Bowles after the game oh yeah tackle he said like everything I I've built over the last seven years is for nothing like there was some real existential like crises happening in that locker room you lose by a million that's that's what happens and then i feel sorry for you but anyway kirk cousins (laughs) feel sorry for brandon staley i mean brandon staley (laughs) the at some point you're they're gonna have to move on from him i think you buy yourself time with this game uh, if they don't have success, they haven't had success. They haven't seemed to get better. The talent is seems to be there. It's hard to figure out what the problem, what the single problem is with that team, which is why you end up moving on from the coach. Even if he makes all the analytically pr- prudent decisions, you can't he keep losing. Go. Yeah, he doesn't anymore. He came up off of those. Like he started. Is that right? That I feel like he started yes. heavy analytics, yes. and then all the losing scared him off. Which the whole point of analytics is a big sample size. You got to stick with it. Because sooner or later, it's going to come around, right? Am I wrong? The whole point in analytics is you go for it, and then if you succeed, you were aggressive. And if you don't succeed, then you say, okay, I've learned. I'm not an idiot. I'm not going to do that analytics stuff anymore. You can't go back. Like, once you get off the bandwagon, you can't run up behind it <laughs> and hop back on and pretend you were the analytics guy the whole time. That's what I feel like the confusing part is here. I don't know what Brandon Staley is going to do from drive to drive or game to game. Because it feels like they don't really know what's going on. They don't really have a strong sense of what they're going to do on fourth down. So I don't think they can, you know, the way the Eagles build their game plans, the way they call plays on third down, knowing, okay, like if we get to fourth and short, we're going to do the the, the, the tush push because we know we can get that. It feels like the Chargers are a totally different team in terms of their fourth down decisions from drive to drive. So 
that impacts how they call plays and doesn't I wouldn't be confident as a player knowing that my coach is actually making consistent decisions. Justin Herbert's really good. Yeah, 40 for 47. <laughs> and somehow they still aren't. Like they, well, I feel like this That's is the concerning time we should, part because it's such a clean game. We should celebrate them because they did manage to win, but it doesn't feel like they won. No. It feels like they still feel like the same old Chargers who ran up against a team that uh, also that, that's, has the same that's old. That's the problem yeah. is, is the, the Vikings out Chargers <laughs> the Chargers. This is how the Chargers would lose a game. Of course they would throw an interception in the end zone after getting an opportunity to win the game. Of course they'd be a mess and lose two fumbles. Like the Vikings played exactly the same way the Chargers do and just happened to be better at it than the Chargers. I got a question for you guys. This Brandon Staley is supposed to be a defensive coach. They've spent more cap on defensive players than any team in the league. And it feels like they're winning in spite of him. If I told you guys this is not going to happen, if I told you guys that they fired Brandon Staley tomorrow after this win, would they be better off or worse off? <laughs> uh, I mean, I definitely they'd be they'd be worse off. Uh, I mean, the what do you think know. it was crazy? Uh, I they won, so yeah, they'd be crazy. It'd be kind of weird to fire a coach after a win and to fire a coach on a week that's not a buy with no particular plan. Like <laughs> it, it would be absurd. I think your point is like in the long run. It, do I, I guess the, the core question is, do I think Brandon Staley is a good NFL head coach? The evidence would say no. So, like, if they fired him, I guess they'd be better off in the long run because it's getting them closer to the right coach, and maybe he'll become a good coach at some point. But it's fair to be critical of the results that he's produced, given that he has a franchise quarterback. Yeah. They got difference makers at all the important positions, from tackle to pass rusher to cornerback, and they, well... I mean, they thought he was a difference maker when they paid JC to come <laughs> yeah. over there and then made him inactive. But I wasn't going to bring it up. And I, I Derwin gonna... James. Yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a terp. But I would <laughs> guess that my suggestion is when you have a guy who's proven that he can play at a high level, high enough to get the contract, and then he doesn't play at a high level anymore, there's something else in this equation that's the problem outside of the player, not just the player alone. Mm -hmm. No, you're right. With, I don't like totally the smirk. Point. The smirk suggests that you don't actually believe that I'm right. I, why, I, I, who do you think I learned that smirk from, Dad? <laughs> who do you think taught me that smirk? <laughs> That's the Dominique Foxworth smirk. That's patented. Oh, gosh. I, I, I'm going to Venmo you $5 after this podcast because I did your smirk to you. But <laughs> it was pretty you're cute. right, though. You're right. I mean, this is a, 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 a defensive-minded coach where his philosophy is the Fangio philosophy. It's, hey, we're going to force you to check the, check the ball down. You're going to get to run the ball against us, but you're not going to hit big plays. And everywhere this week, the stack going around was nobody's given up more big plays since Brandon Staley got to the Chargers than the Los Angeles Chargers. And the Vikings, they were inconsistent on offense in this game, but they hit a bunch of big plays, 20, 30 yarders to Justin Jefferson throughout this game. And I think that that's the scary part to me is it's not OK. You know, like you're not going to get perfect results out of everybody. You're not going to hit every free agent signing. But Staley's had two years now to build the roster into the defense he wants. He's had the ability to add significant players in free agency. He inherited some stars and guys like James and Joey Bosa. Those guys haven't always been there, but this defense doesn't look any better. It looks worse than the defense he inherited. So if that's going to be the case, like if your core competency, if your strength, the reason you're there, it's not because you're a CEO coach, not because you're yeah. an analytics wizard, because you're going to make great game management decisions, but because you're a great defensive coach, at some point your defense has to be good, no? 
I don't think the his seat got as cool as it should have, considering that they pulled off a win. It's still probably pretty hot. But on the other side, Kirk Cousins, how are we feeling about him? Or how are the Vikings feeling about Kirk Cousins and his future? Because I know that my man Mike Greenberg is waiting for the Vikings season to be over so that he can convince them to trade Kirk Cousins to the Jets. I don't see it happening. But Kirk Cousins is not going to be a Viking next year, right? Bill, can I read you a stat? Before Please. we get, before you give your answer, which is this Please. the numbers he's on pace for this season, which is six thousand ninety-two yards and fifty-one touchdowns. Not bad. Kirk Cousins on pace to be NFL MVP. I I'm just imagining the cycle of Jets fans. Like, how long do you think it would take for them to go from "We are so excited Kirk Cousins is here" to "Oh, we have Kirk Cousins as our quarterback. We hate this." Would it be like? Two weeks, three weeks. So maybe? why doesn't the the boyfriend rule that you guys set for Doug Peterson apply to Kirk Cousins replacing uh, Zach Wilson? He's not. He's replacing Aaron Rodgers. To that guy, Aaron Rodgers seemed that, like a great boyfriend to you. That first <laughs> that first week is great. That first week, that second week might even be fine. But week three, when they're in prime time and they're playing, I don't know, the Bills, and Kirk Cousins throws three interceptions and they get blown out. You don't think the fans are going to be like, of course, Kirk Cousins sucks. Why didn't we see this coming? Yep. Then of course they look they will. down the bench and they see Aaron Rodgers in a boot and Zach Wilson grinning at him. I think they would still figure out a way to talk themselves into Kirk Cousins. But do you time. think, do you believe the Jets actually have enough of a team around Kirk Cousins to, to win if they had Kirk Cousins at quarterback? Because like they, their defense has been good. The last two yeah. weeks, but not as good as it was in week one. The running game has been non-existent the last so, couple of weeks. Um, like they have, I think the argument is that the that taking Aaron Rodgers out of this team kind of had a shock on the team that is having them underperform. If you look at the way that they performed in week one, that team performed really well outside of the quarterback position. So they ha they haven't lost any players. Uh, so this team but is they lost the locker room. So, right, so that's so, my point. My point is that the argument for Kirk Cousins <laughs> is when you bring him in, you then regain some faith and trust, and the guys are revert back to the production that you expect from him. So, so there was a shot, but it didn't take place in week one when he yeah. got hurt. It took a while for the shot to set See, in. See, we're talking about player psychology, which is hard to guess I'm and hard to make up. No, I'm, I'm explaining it to you. We're right there. We're in win one for Aaron mode. Yeah, That's what's happening right the there. Ooh. We're in win Only one for one. Aaron mode. You're riding emotions. Win from one for Aaron. Then you have a full week of looking across the <laughs> locker room at Zach's face, and then you go see the Cowboys, and you try. They fought in that game. Like yeah. it wasn't as as bad as the score was early in that game. They were fighting, and then they fell apart. And now they're just like, huh, who knows? And they actually fought in this game. The, yeah. uh, the Patriots. I feel like lost that game even though they won. I felt worse for them why, than I did for anyone else. This is why branding is important. Instead of saying win one for Aaron, <laughs> you got to make it clear. Win like 11 for Aaron. You got to set the expectations when it happens. Don't try to save it for later. Yeah, stay afloat for Kirk is, is, <laughs> the, is the motto in the locker room now. Stay afloat for Kirk. Don't choke for Kirk. <laughs> All right. What else we got? Are we good? That's it. Oh, that was a fun week. Right. It was a blowout. You seem surprised. Oh, no, I'm not surprised that it was a fun week. I just, the show, it's hard to have a fun show when it's just <laughs> whooping after 
whooping and irrelevant game after irrelevant game, but we still had a well, good time. But let's, let's let's not talk about what I'm doing to you on the show, Dominique. <laughs> thank you, Bill Barnwell, for joining us. Thank you, Charlie Kravitz, for your work, and thank you to Allstate for presenting the Dominique Fox Surf Show. We love you. We appreciate you. And also, thank you to the good folks at Podville Media. Thank you to our wonderful producers, Megan, Kevin. I hate you, Kevin. Brian, I hate you too, Brian. Uh, Serafina, you're a wonderful person. You too, Megan. And we're out. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show.